Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude Scott. I'm your dude Dave. And today we're discussing 1985's Witness, directed by Peter Weir and starring Harrison Ford and Kelly McGillis. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? Um, I watched Welcome to New York from 2015. It's uh, a movie by Abel Ferrara starring Gerard Depardieu. It's about Dominique Strauss-Kahn. I think head of the World Bank, mm-hmm. and he was like like a French prime minister candidate as well, like a you know a, a statesman, yeah. uh, someone who was on the you know he was on the rise, and his his career was going you know he he was going to be like one of the world leaders, and um, he came to New York for some kind of conference, and while he was there, he was accused of sexual assault of sexually assaulting a hotel maid, and um, the movie posits that he did do it, and uh, we're then we deal with the fallout of it. And mm-hmm. like Gerard Depardieu is a great actor, of course, from yeah. from way back. But he's also one of the most courageous actors, I think, working it's even still today. I mean, he's pushing 70 in this movie and he has full frontal nude scenes oh, and yeah? just unapologetically like, you know, he's just putting it all out there. Really amazing performer, you know, and a great actor and someone who like you should just seek out all his films. But this one especially very, very good. Awesome, man. Yep. That's cool. I remember Gerard Depardieu when I first heard about him. It was My Father the Hero. Wow. You remember that one? I, I certainly do, yes. Yeah, that my was... stepsister liked that one. Okay, yes. Uh, so it was on a few times at the house. <laughs> I mean, after his like big American debut, I yeah. believe that that was where like My Father the Hero yeah. was like shortly after that. He's and... riding a jet ski. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> and lots of slapstick and hijinks. Yeah, and... it's not a good movie. No, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Abel Ferrara, definitely a much better better upgrade absolutely than my father the hero yes cool man i watched a japanese film called beyond the infinite two minutes it is uh kind of like a time travel movie Mm -hmm. but it's low budget it's a it was a small production it's very simple simply staged but it's super interesting it's quite short too i think it's an hour 10 okay but it's about a, a guy he discovers that his computer monitor in his bedroom and his computer monitor down in the cafe he owns underneath his apartment have a two-minute time delay between them. So if you're looking through one monitor, you're looking two minutes into the past from the other monitor. Oh, wow. And vice versa. Okay. And the movie's awesome because um, it's it's done as like a one-shot, basically. It, it uses tricks, kind of like how Rope does yes. and stuff. But it's really fascinating. They're going back and up and down the steps, back and forth, looking into the future, into the past. And his friends show up and they, they're like, oh my God, this is so cool. Oh my God. They get all excited and start doing like <laughs> tricks and stuff. Right, like, right. Hey, what's going to happen? And then like, you know, oh, it's ketchup, you know, and like all this crazy <laughs> shit. And then it gets more and more into like, oh shit, like this is some crazy shit that could actually be happening. And they, there's like stuff with infinite regression through the computer monitors and they keep seeing two minute increments farther and farther. Out. I like, I like that. It's really neat, dude. Right. It's a comedy. It is super funny. Okay. Um, it's directed by uh, Yunta Yamaguchi and written by Makoto Ueda. I had to put that out there just because they deserve some credit, man. No, absolutely. Like, it is so mind-blowing how they did all this, especially as a oneer. Okay. It is something to check out, dude. Right. So now let's talk about Witness, Dave. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Um, sure. Uh, so the plot of this film is that uh, a seven- or eight-year-old Amish boy who's on his first visit to the big city uh, is an eyewitness to a murder of a police officer. And 
The investigating detective works with the boy to identify the murderers, and when it's revealed that it was fellow police officers, the detective now has to hide the boy, his mother, and himself outside the city in the Amish community until he can figure out how to sort everything out. Uh, This is going to be a different kind of episode in some ways because I have uh, a personal attachment to this film, so I'll probably be taking talking a lot about, you know, more behind-the-scenes stuff and other related uh, just material than often we do usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? I'm I'm ready for it, Dave. Nice. Let's okay. do it. Cool, man. Um, I love when we get into a bunch of asides. Yes. Um, especially if they're relevant to the film. You know, sometimes you can go off track and just right. talk about whatever, but I, this is going to be awesome. I cool. mean, it's an awesome movie, and we've got a lot to say about it. And I'm glad you had like you were familiar with it too, because I remember you'd seen it before. Yeah. Um, and I remember when you first told me you'd seen it like years ago. I was like, oh, thank God, Scott seen got a scene witness, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. I was super happy that that you threw it on here. I was like, oh, I haven't watched that in a while, and right, I, I want to do it again, man. Yes. And I didn't realize how much I like Peter Weir's movies until oh, I watched this. I was like, you know what? So we did Dead Poets Society, which right. Famously, that's a big dude disagreement. Yes, it is. the biggest one we've ever had. <laughs> and, uh, um, but I didn't realize he did this. He's done like Truman Show, Master and Commander, which all great films and countless others. Like, he's I think a master. Master and Commander is, is, is a truly great film. It is. You and know? it's underrated. Even though it had nominations and yes. lots of buzz, I think it's a forgotten gem. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and he's got a, he's just got a real hold on... On all kinds of like of all cultures too. I mean, he can mm-hmm. kind of just span yeah. the globe. Um, and to get it out of the way to begin with, of course, before we talk about the movie, I'll just tell everybody. I mean, there, there are people. I know that there are some listeners who uh, I grew up with, and they already know these stories. Mm-hmm. But um, my my dad was raised Amish in Ohio, and I was raised Mennonite. Um, the Mennonite sect that I grew up in was the most secular in that we looked outwardly like everyday Americans in our dress and we participated in all other standard American culture, you know, uh, stuff. But dad's family had remained Amish. And when I was 10 years old, my brother and I, uh, were sent to live with my grandparents in Ohio for the summer Mm -hmm. where we, uh, worked on the farm, uh, attended Amish church and essentially just like lived like Amish people for, you know, six weeks. And then we come home in August and it was back to American regular kid life, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and also too, like when, when this movie came out, it was a huge deal for, uh, for Mennonites, um, because all, I mean, like the Amish church is, a. uh, came from the the original Mennonite church so that there's everybody who is Mennonite has Amish roots, whether it's their parents or, you know, somewhere down the line that they're, they're related in some way Mm -hmm. to the Amish culture. And this movie was a big deal when it came out because for pretty much everyone, it was the first time ever that Amish life had been depicted in a serious way. And there was this small magazine called the Gospel Herald that was distributed in Mennonite churches at the time. And this one issue contained a write up of the film and I know that that doesn't sound like much, you know, mm-hmm. but um, this was not a periodical that covered the entertainment industry. You know, it was all right. about yeah. spiritual matters. So for them to to not only acknowledge an R-rated movie, but to get to ask people to go and see it, um, that's a that's a big deal, you know. And um, like this movie, it's it's kind of what what everybody who knows about Amish culture had been waiting for at that point, and it gets a ton of stuff right. Uh, it, there's, there's some, even like the, the, uh, 
well, if somebody makes a film about any subject, we expect them to research the subject thoroughly to ensure that they're as accurate as possible. Right, yes. uh, we shouldn't have to feel quite this grateful that Peter Weir <laughs> and his crew went this far to get things right, but here we are. It took a guy from Australia to do it. I mean, it, it's just it's just unbelievable that something that this this uniquely American, like the Amish culture, yeah. would yeah, like you said, would need someone to from outside well, to come outside in. Outside perspective, he can see it for what it is. True. And give a really true representation of it. Right. Um, like someone who's tainted in America who grew up with some kind of wrong perspective. And and they just apply like trash culture, you know, like not, I mean, it's actively ignorant, you know, yeah. other, other times where Amish people have been portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, uh, I'll, I mean, I'll just say it now. I mean, some examples of like really terrible films like For Richer or Poorer starring Tim Allen and Kirstie Alley. Uh, the Farrelly Brothers Kingpin is another um, I know those are both comedies, but neither <laughs> one makes any effort yeah, at right. all to like, you know, get even major details correct. Right. And uh, Fairly Brothers, I mean, that's a farce, really. Like that, It is. But the Tim Allen movie, I, I forgot about that garbage right there. Oh, my God. I mean, it's... That's just mean. It is. It, yeah. you're, the, the word is mean. Yeah. Yes. And... I mean, at one point in Kingpin, I remember a guy taking his horse and buggy on the interstate, and that's not funny. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> You know, it, it's, it's funny hearing you say that. Though. It, it is, I'll yes, understood. That. Yeah, <laughs> but like, no person would do that. I mean, like, whether you're Amish or not, you you, you would think before you acted in in those kinds of ways, you right. know. And yeah, and they always have the characters, you know, like they. Well, I mean, the, the women are always portrayed as like bearded crones, and that really burns my yeah. ass. And then there's always like the the characters speaking like King James English with these and thous and doth and all that stuff, and that's not what Amish people do. They speak Pennsylvania German, which is mm-hmm. a, a just a German dialect. Dialect. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, so what they, you know, there's, there was, there was actually like, there's one other movie I'll mention before we get into our movie, which is Warlock from 1989. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. With Julian Sands and Richard E. Grant. There's a, there's a Mennonite character in there. Now this is not a good movie, everybody, but like, it's a horror film and, and maybe they don't get everything exactly accurate, but they're at least respectful. Like the Mennonite guy has agency in the uh-huh. movie and like he, he assists the warlock uh, to, um, well, the warlock hunter to, to fight the warlock. And it, it's, it's way better than what the hell Tim Allen and Kirstie Alley pulled off or Kingpin. <laughs> Warlock's awesome. It's, I know it's a it's good, not movie. a good movie, but it's awesome. <laughs> it's it's exactly. It is awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah, dude, we got Dave on a roll already, everybody. And I love it. <laughs> Thank um, you. There'll be plenty of things that pop up where Dave will jump into something. I'm sure. So yeah. Stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, let's get into what the movie sure. is about. You mentioned it in the synopsis, but uh, the movie opens with a funeral in, at the Amish farm. Yes. And Kelly McGillis's character, Rachel, her husband has died. Yes. Right? From here, her and her son go on a visit to her sister who lives in Baltimore, I believe. Yep. Right? So they take the train into town. Um, I guess Samuel's never left the farm before. This is her son, played by Lucas Haas. Right. So he's in wide-eyed wonder at all this outside world stuff. And they're at the train station. He's looking at the statues and he's like, oh, my God, like, what is this stuff? <laughs> it's wonderful cinematography, the the staging of the shots, the music, everything goes together to really feel like, wow, this is another world. This that, kid yes, that, that that score really like throughout the movie. It's it's really it's oh really my God. It's fantastic. It is Maurice Jarre. Yes. Famously, man, Lawrence of Arabia. Right. Dr. Zhivago, like. All kinds of stuff. He did Dead Poet Society. Yes, he like, did. He is, he is a master. Right, and and there's there's like subtle notes to it too. Sometimes sometimes it's just like like one kind of note that's held for a while, and it mm-hmm. it and it's 
it's just wonderful mood setting. It gets oh, everything right all the time. And yeah, and th- this, like, to see Samuel, like, when Samuel and Rachel are on the Amtrak and they they see like the the, the guy uh, being pulled in his in his Thresher's wagon, yeah. like and he, he they're they're zipping past him. He's just like, oh my god, you know, mm-hmm. this is amazing. And uh, and yeah, to 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 see like whenever whenever an Amish person, of course, visits the city for the first time, th- this is what it is. I mean, like their yeah. their their eyes are everywhere. They they they're taking everything and things that they've only read about so far. And and this is uh and this is really well depicted. Right. Yeah. They've, I'm sure they've heard about it. Yeah. Um, and been warned about things. And yes. There's no way to prepare you for what your eyes will see. Because I mean, you've been to town before, but often you haven't been to like Philadelphia to a. a you oh know... yeah, you haven't been at Union Station in Philadelphia. Exactly. There's no way. Yeah. So what happens here? Samuel ends up seeing a murder, right? He yep. goes to the bathroom, and there's a guy at the sink who I think is an undercover cop or something yeah. like that. And two men come in and kill him, and Samuel witnesses this. Hey, witness. There it is. Exactly. <laughs> hey, they said the title of the that thing. That was unintentional know? people, but yeah, that's why it's called witness. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I love too that like uh, before he, be- be- when. Before the guy gets killed, um, this actor playing the narcotics officer, mm-hmm. um, I've seen him in a couple of other things. Me too, and I can't remember. I can't remember his name, but he was he was in Pink Cadillac, and he was in, uh, I think, Eddie, uh, Beverly Hills Cop 3. And he, like, is such a great, like, the way they've costumed him in this movie, he's such a perfect, like, undercover cop desperado type. Uh-huh. You know, he, he's like, he hadn't slept in days. He's wearing a leather jacket and no shirt. Yep. Um, and he's got the sink, like washing his yeah, just neck like and face and like greasy hair, giving himself kind of self care with 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 train station water, you know. Yeah. Um, like this, <laughs> this is where his life has taken him. <laughs> the nasty sink in the men's room at Union Station. Exactly, and he obviously knows something he's not supposed to know, uh, because mm-hmm. yeah, the other two guys in the in the bathroom they come in. One is Danny Glover. Um, and one is this big potato headed guy named Ferguson. Yeah. And, uh, they're both, uh, we find out later also narcotics officers Yeah. and they murder this guy. Yep. And it's a great moment where like after the murder happens, Danny Glover, uh, who his name is McPhee in the film. He wants to like check the stalls to make sure that like there, you know, nobody yeah. saw anything. Right. And Fergie says he's already done that. He's like, well, let me just check once more. And he starts opening the stalls and one of them's locked because that's the one that Samuel's in. Mm-hmm. And as he starts to, you know, like trying to get the door open before he kicks it through, Samuel very smartly gets down and goes into the stall that Danny already checked and gets up on the toilet. And he does it somehow quietly enough so that, right, that, yeah. that McPhee doesn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's really smart that, like, I mean, imagine, like, a seven-year-old, like, having just, like, survival instincts kick in, and you come up with a cunning plan like this to, like, oh, outsmart man. a cop. The scene is very tense. Yeah. That's the note I wrote down. Right. It was much better than I remember it being. I was like, oh, my God. I yeah. Can't believe. Um, and Lucas Haas is wonderful in it, too. Like, um, I know they had a hard time directing him in this scene because it was the first time he had ever had to act without, like, seeing yeah. stuff. Right. So he had to pretend like he witnessed a murder, and he was, like, overacting. Right. So Peter Weir had to scare him a little bit. Yes. Not, like, badly, but, like, be very stern with him. Right. And kind of rile him up a bit. And, and, and like, he did it. Like, he just, I think because he was worried he wasn't doing a good job, that came through in his face that he was scared and worried. And right. Perfect. 
it reminded me of like you know stories I heard about Stanley Kubrick with uh, the kid who played Danny in The Shining, mm-hmm. um, like trying to shield the child from like the the scary like so that the kid doesn't know what he's reacting to. Yeah, but you still have to get that reaction out of them somehow. Yep. So um, yeah, like Peter Weir had to tell Lucas Haas, this little kid, you know, hey, listen, like level with him. You're kind of letting down the film right now by by not giving me what I need. So yeah. you have to really look scared, and somehow he got it out of him. You know, yeah. and that's what a great director does. Absolutely, man. he does what he. I was gonna say he does what he's got to do. I mean that, not maybe to a Kubrick level or yeah. We, we've talked about asshole s- levels, exactly but, like yeah. William Freakin slapping people in the face. You don't right. need to do that. Yeah, you, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> but to an extent. You've got to know how to do these things. Yeah, you have to know how to get what you need and and yeah. do it correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, John Book shows up, Harrison Ford, man, right? And he's the detective on the case. You know, Harrison Ford, obviously one of the biggest movie stars of all time. Um, and I I think that to this point in his career, he had, of course, he had he was who he was. He was a name. He was a commodity, and yeah. he was like, you know the biggest star in America. Yeah. And this is, I I mean, I've reviewed his filmography and other than the conversation and apocalypse now where he had small parts, yeah. the, this was the first time he was like, uh, asked to be a real actor, you know, like in to right. helm, a, a, a real mannered drama and, you know, like really flex to see what he could do. Yeah, totally. Um, and it was a big gamble for him. Right. He said to himself that it was the first time he did anything Almost without Steven Spielberg or, or <laughs> yeah. George Lucas. I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> and uh, Peter Weir was an unknown quantity at the time too. In America, in, yeah. In America, especially. Right. And the script is risky, so it was a big gamble for him. Yep. Which is awesome. And because he was such a big star, of course, I mean, like you know, you can get a movie like this made. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if if they had tried it with anywhere else, they probably, probably would have had some trouble. But you got Harrison Ford, and he he can lend his celebrity to it to like get the deal made. But he can also like you, we we found out what a great actor he is. Yeah. Um, I remember reading Roger Ebert's review. You know, years later, of course, um, about, talking about like this is the best performance of Harrison Ford's career thus far. And I, it was right. Oh, at the time, definitely was. Yes. And this is the Harrison Ford you get for the next 10, 15 years. You That's know? right. And all those performances he gives then, like, they are informed from this. They're, and they're so good. Yes. This gives you that famous, you know, the pointing, the, I mean, he's done that a bunch, but like, you right. get all the Harrisonisms in it. I mean, yeah. Oh. Like, like when he, when he loses his temper, um, mm-hmm. you're, when, when I was a little kid watching this movie, I was scared. Yeah. Like, like it was kind of like, oh man, I'm in trouble, uh-huh. you know, like, like, cause you're watching and you're like, oh man, this guy's really getting <laughs> dad rage going, you know? And you're just Dude. like, oh, you know, God, man, <laughs> it, it's, he's in total dad mode in the movie. <laughs> and the character, it fits it because even his sister says he's trying to raise my kids like they're his own. Yes. And she's sick of it. Yes. And he, he won't commit like. <laughs> Yeah, he's kind of a shitbag in the movie, you know? The, and that's... Kind he, of is. He, he, oh, yeah, he, he's, not a, he's not a nice man. I mean, he, he's obviously a gruff cop who, mm. like, does extra legal stuff sometimes in order to get it. I yeah, mean, like, when... drag that guy out I of the mean, bar yeah, to get an ID. Geez, that, that, that scene today, you're looking at, like, wow, he just walked in and just grabbed yeah. this dude who he had no... He goes Popeye Doyle, man. Yes, yes, it was... <laughs> pre- that's pretty messed up. I know they were worried that they were going to get called a, a dirty hairy ripoff okay. at some point because right. of some of the things he was doing right and one of the producers like who cares <laughs> just do it yes <laughs> i know give the audience something you know? uh, yeah exactly <laughs> and and to and 
the the good news is he doesn't go full Dirty Harry or Popeye Doyle. Oh, yeah, he's not that far. Right. He's still a good cop. Exactly. He's not corrupt. Right. He's not crossing lines. I mean, he's maybe putting a foot over every now and then. Sure. He's not going all the way. But dragging that that one guy out of the bar to, to, like... I you know have Samuel identify him. That's that's kind of the worst thing he does as far as like extra legal stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. That's the farthest he goes. Yes. Um, you mentioned um, what Rachel tells him that that Patty Lapone said about him. You yeah, know, like Elaine. When, his yes, sister? Elaine. Yeah. Um, like that. That's one of my favorite Rachel moments because of the way Kelly just d- delivers that. You know. Oh yeah. So. Oh, but what else did she say? Oh yeah, she is perfectly candid with them i mean yeah she just comes right out with it well uh she said that when you drink a lot of beer uh you you start talking about how you know everything and and uh, all these cops suck and you're the only good cop he thinks he knows better than everyone and he's always right yes she lists this laundry list of things that his sister has complained about gives him the litany you know which there's apparently a deleted scene yeah have you seen it yes it was for the tv version right that they put in um where you kind of get to see this conversation yes. that she had with his sister, and um, and that's I love it. It's I, a great scene. It is a good scene, and like Patty Lapone, like like um, she she's very good in the scene too because she like yells at Rachel. It kind of sucks they took it out because this was her performance. Of exactly. The movie. Like, yes. They, she, she's pretty much cut out almost. I know. Like the the, the guts of her performance yeah. are cut out of it. Um, and I agree with you that it is a good scene, but like because I'd seen the the original the theatrical version so many times, mm-hmm. when I eventually did see that scene, it 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 kind of like well I understand why you you could take it out. Yeah, it's you know? not entirely necessary. Right when they're at the hot dog stand and she's saying all this stuff, it gets the whole thing across. You know, it does, and it makes you think too about like how like it, at least until you you know that the existence of that scene, you're kind of like thinking about like uh, Elaine. Uh, didn't have anybody she could really talk to about these these uh, things that she's always had yeah. against John, and now she's finally got like a captive audience and like a another girl to talk to. She, oh, I, let me just you know tell her yeah, about all the, right. the the stuff that like John does, and you know, and and Rachel was a sympathetic ear, you yeah. know. So now they're trying to ID the killer still, and Samuel's in the police station, kind of wandering around, um, taking it all in again, mm-hmm. and he notices that there's a picture in the trophy case of danny glover he's won some award or some something like that right and harrison ford notices how like scared he's all of a sudden looking and he's staring in this case and he goes over there hangs up the phone gets up goes over to samuel and looks at it and samuel just raises his hand and points at danny glover's picture right and harrison ford knows right away what he's trying to say and he grabs his hand (laughs) he grabs samuel's hand and lowers it like yes no i don't want anyone to know this like, we need to keep this a secret right away. Because, yeah, it's a break in the case, but it's also a break. I mean, it's like... Oh, it's another narcotics officer. Yes. Who works with you. This isn't a normal murder. Yeah. Like this now, oh man, there's a conspiracy here. Mm-hmm. And because... Okay, so he's just said that Danny Glover was the killer, and we know that there was another person there too. Like, this is that's more than one cop. Uh-huh. You know? Um, and so now, who's pulling the strings? And... He doesn't know what to do quite yet, but uh, he ends up going to the boss's house, uh, mm-hmm. Schaefer, um, yeah. who's like Paul the chief. Schaefer. Yes. Yeah. Played by this guy, Yosef Summer, who's very good in this movie, too. Yeah, he's great. And he tells him, you know, that, that he, he did some digging and he fa- figured out that like four years prior, there was this uh, shipment of P2P that had gone missing. 
and you know th- this is the chemical that you use to make biker meth essentially yeah and well they, they've tracked down where it went and it was because danny glover stole it yep and they, he's going to now sell it uh to the people who make meth and they're going to clear about two million bucks and so uh he's asking you know like so schaefer's like okay well uh so what do, do you know does anybody know about this he goes nope just you and me he's like okay well let's keep it that way yeah and you're uh, like, all right, man, this is now it's things are starting to ramp exactly. up here. We've got a lead. Yep. We've got a secret yes. to worry about that only three people know about Harrison Ford, the kid and his boss. Yeah. And uh, you think, well, this guy's the boss. He's going to do the right thing. Right. He's going to, you know, like yeah. help uh, John Book out, you know, and they're going to like bring the killers to justice. And mm-hmm. so uh, John Book goes home. He gets out of his car. He's uh, walking to the elevator, and he hears some footsteps behind him in the parking garage. Mm-hmm. It's Danny Glover. Yeah. Blasting away at him. <laughs> Dude. Th- I, you do not expect this to happen nope. this quickly. This I know. is the final, a final showdown moment that's happening in the first act. I know. Exactly. It's, it's, it's 25 minutes of the movie, and, and the, the, the main villain is coming up against the cop right now. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and they have a shootout, and Danny Glover escapes. Uh, Harrison Ford realizes you can't trust anyone now Yep. because McPhee would not have been coming for him if Paul had not said something to him. He realizes right then Schaefer yeah. is in on this. He, yeah. he probably masterminded the whole thing. Because, like he said, they're the only ones who know. Yep. So how did McPhee find out yes. it had to be Paul? This quickly. Yeah, right. Um, and Book, uh, like during the shootout, John Book is shot. Uh, in in the gut somewhere like in the side yeah and uh he's now losing blood and he goes to he he had hidden uh obviously rachel and and samuel at his his sister's house at patty wapone's place he goes over there again he switches the cars he takes patty wapone's car and he tells samuel and rachel we gotta go yeah and he's gonna drive them home now and he's doing this while he's losing blood and they get to the farm and, you know, Rachel asks him, are you coming back to get Samuel for the trial? And he goes, there's not going to be any trial. Yeah, he knows. Yes. This is yeah. bigger now. You know, it's a criminal conspiracy involving the police, yep. you know, and, um, and he's going to leave, but he's lost so much blood. He, he crashes the car. And right. He can't, can't move really. Um, and this is when we meet Eli. Yeah. He's the grandfather. Yes. Um, and this man, uh, the guy who plays Eli is this, this actor, Jan Rubis, who reminds me so much of my grandfather. Really? Um, yes. Uh, it's exa- I mean, like the way he talks, like th- this actor gets it. He, he, he is an elderly Amish man through and through. I mean, like this is quite a performance by this nice. actor. Um, I mean, he just, he has the, like, I read about the Nora Dunphy was the dialect coach for this film. Um, and I said earlier about like the, the, the mistakes that other portrayals of Amish people make, you know, uh-huh. with the, with the, especially with the language, they always have them speaking like Puritans. That's not how it is. They speak Pennsylvania German, which is a, you know, a German dialect. Mm-hmm. And you never hear that language spoken in movies, you know? And one of my only criticisms of the film, I mean, like, like there, there's, uh, when it comes to the clothing, the farm life, Witness gets a lot right, as I said. Uh, but the, And the minor details that they get wrong are somewhat understandable. Um, no one knows Pennsylvania German. You know, it's not, yeah. it's, it's just not a, a language <laughs> that is well uh, documented in the culture, you know. And they, they do cheat slightly with the language in this movie. Okay. Um, although I heard plenty of Pennsylvania German spoken, the actors do revert to high German more often than their characters would in real life. High German meaning, meaning just regular just, German. Yeah. Um, and in the in, in everyday conversation, you speak Pennsylvania German. Uh, high German is reserved for church services, weddings, and funerals. 
but it does happen occasionally here. Like, like there's a, there's a moment where, um, in the opening funeral scene where you see Alexander Gudinov, uh, playing yeah. Daniel Hockleiter. I was so, I was like, Oh, I forgot he's in this. Yes. Carl Gruber. There yeah, he is. Man. You know, Carl from Die Hard, uh-huh. ready to date. <laughs> yes, that's right. He's on the he's hunt. <laughs> Her husband is dead, and at he's the on the funeral. Prowl. At the funeral, yeah, this dude. guy is like already like laying the foundation. Don't I mean, trust him. Running he's, game he's a on terrorist. A, uh, oh my god! Exactly <laughs> that guy. You don't want any part of Carl Gruber. Right. Actually, um, he's he's a pretty good man in this movie. Yeah, he's a solid um, dude. Yeah, he's a real mensch. Yeah, uh, Daniel Hawkleitner. Mm-hmm. Um, but like uh, Eli. He is. Um, I, I said, you know, Jan Rubis, obviously a great performance. The way he, the way he walks, his, his just his his like comfort level in this role. I, I was, I was really, really taken aback just on this viewing of like how good this guy is. Yeah, dude. Bo- both of these people we're talking about re- right now, people were were unsure on yes. them. Yes. Uh, especially like Gudinov, he he was like a ballet dancer that someone from the crew knew. I know. And we're like, let's put him in this movie, and apparently, like. Perfect, perfect casting. It's like never acted before, <laughs> just wonderful. And I mean, his performance too. I mean, I I've I know so many guys like this. Mm-hmm. I I've, I mean, I have cousins who are this this exact guy, mm-hmm. like the most unassuming person who just wants to do right by people and is you know suspect suspicious of outsiders, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but like is, and his courting of Rachel, um, yeah. We're, we're, we're for the jokes. We're talking about how he's, yeah, you know, right. putting the make on somebody at their at a funeral, and that's no good. But like in reality, he's like, not really doing no, that much. No. Like he's just saying his condolences. Exactly. You know? And like if if Rachel doesn't want to be with him, he's not going to force anything. Right. You know. Uh, obviously, like Eli would love for them to be together. Um, and I, to be honest, spoiler alert, everybody, I'm pretty sure that they do get together. They probably after do. the movie. I, they you know? probably do. Yes. And. They seem like they'd be a good couple. Like and, they would, they would work together. I'm sure. And it, it, they would exactly. Yeah. Like, like he he would go out of his way to make her happy. Um, mm-hmm. And even if she's not in love with him, she would have a decent life with with Daniel. Right. Know? Much better than John Book. Uh, which, yeah. Which there's the romantic aspect of this film. Yeah. And you know, Daniel is a uh, Gudnoff's character. He he's a little jealous of John Book. <laughs> As any man would of be. Course. I mean, look, if 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 the object of your affection, perf- <laughs> like, is is uh, living with Harrison Ford, um, uh, yeah, yeah. You're, you're probably going to be jealous. By the way, dude, this version of Harrison Ford is like what I want to be. Like, I want <laughs> this body. I want that look. I want the chest hair. I, like, I know. I want it. Like, he's Temple of Doom to Witness era is what I want. He's 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 hot. He, he's he's a I great need, looking I need guy. To transform my body into this. That's yeah. what I who I want to be. I mean, yeah. he he's just yeah, an absolute like <laughs> he's a specimen of the, the camera loves him. Yeah, dude. You know, he's a movie star, a really handsome movie star. And you're right. I mean, even when he goes into like, you know, dad rage, he's like well, he's even more handsome somehow. Like, I mean, he's got like a sexy dad bod. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. have the traditional dad bod. It's right. like if your dad was sexy. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. because he doesn't look like he he's it's it, it's not it's not a nautilus body. It's it's a guy with a flat stomach who doesn't have any fat on him and he, with broad shoulders. And he's got some muscle definition. Yes. Like when when you turn him over on his side, yeah. and you see the bullet wounds. You can see that there's like some good oblique, uh, you know, <laughs> right, de- definition yeah. there. But that's as far as it goes. Yep, he doesn't skip leg days. Or anything. Like, <laughs> that's <he> right, is... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's enough about uh, <laughs> that, I guess. But, yeah. I mean, you can see why Kelly McGillis 
her character is attracted to him. I mean, John Book is an exciting guy. He's a forbidden fruit. Of course. Yeah. He, he's like, obviously, we've talked about how, you know, physically appealing he is. Mm-hmm. And he's also like, you know, obviously attracted to her. I mean, from the first. I mean, like, it's, oh, yeah. you know. And his character is the kind of guy who would be like a one and done, I don't care kind I know. of guy. Right. At least kind of, you know, maybe not all the time. But from what we've seen so far, he's not the greatest kind of person. And if what we've learned from his sister, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, if he's if he's like in his forties and he's unmarried, he's never had like any. I mean, obviously, he's either he's either has no relationships or he's you know a one and done type guy who yep. just you know like dates and then leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that is not what Rachel's used to. Um, not at all. You know, it's in the Amish community that that's not what anyone does. You know, you like. There aren't arranged marriages necessarily, but, you know, there are understandings. I mean, when yeah. when someone, you, if you court someone, it's not a long courtship where it's like two years engaged and then you get, you know, it's like right. once you agree to get married, that's pretty much pretty fast turnaround. Yeah, it's like, let's do it. And there is no like casual here right. and there, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Can't just have a, a quick torrid affair with someone and, and then be done with it. That's not how it works. Not unless you want to get shunned. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, shunning is a, a very real and unfortunate byproduct of Amish life. And, you know, it's it's a cruel thing that mm-hmm. happens, obviously, yeah. you know. They threaten uh, Rachel with it in they the sure movie. sure do. Because they know she's attracted to John Book. Yeah. And the, the scene where she's with Book... Well, we, we skipped over his recovery and everything. I mean, he, he was obviously, yeah, so you know. so he's on the farm with a yeah. bullet wound, and they, they tend to his wounds, and right. he heals and has to stay there yes. in hiding and kind of starts helping out with the farm and right. everything. There's some funny scenes of him trying to do farming stuff. Yes, Because he's yes. just a city slicker. <laughs> I mean, but, the, 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 the moment where Eli walks into his bedroom and, like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's 4.30, time for milking, you yeah. know. Um, like, that was me. In 1988, oh my God, my, it was, and like, by then my uncle was running the farm, my uh-huh. uncle Daniel. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it, I had to go fetch cows at this ungodly hour yeah. of the day. And you know, <laughs> by 7am you're done choring, but that's just the beginning of the day. Right. You know, the rest of the day is going to be, uh, like, you know, going out in the fields and threshing mm-hmm. and, uh, Making hay and everything. I mean, in a good Lord, you are so tired when it's done. You yeah. Know? And at 4.30 in the morning, yeah, you're going to milk 50 cows. And I, I, I sympathize with John Book in this moment. Because <laughs> he, he, at one point, he like, like after that, after they get done choring, they're sitting at the, at the table eating a big-ass thresher's breakfast. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, like, Eli tries to give him a big pile of eggs and bacon. And he's like, no, no, listen, I just want some coffee. And, you know, I'm not used to this. I'm not used to this kind of where he goes, well, you're not used to hard work. He goes, I'm not used to eating breakfast in the middle of the night. You know? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and... Uh, surprisingly, he turns out to be a fairly capable farmer. Yeah. He he gets the hang of everything real quick. Yep. And he's a carpenter. Right. In the movie, he he's dabbled in carpentry. Yes. You know, in real life, famously, Harrison Ford is a carpenter. He was before he was a movie star. Right. So he knows how to work wood. Just like, um, just like him and Dan- of them. I know. Daniel Day-Lewis is like that, too. He's, yeah. he's really good with his hands. And um, can I tell you one of my favorite moments of, of like the, the carpentry thing? Uh-huh. It's when he's, you know, he, he's trying to fix that birdhouse that he that he destroyed earlier. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Rachel walks in with a glass of lemonade for him. And um, I have to admit something. This yeah. is a move, everybody. Like, yeah. I've done it. Um, like, uh-huh. I've been, like, working or <laughs> playing hard, kind of playing basketball or whatever. And, yeah. you know, a, a lady brought me a cold drink. And mm-hmm. I 
downed it as quick as I could in the most masculine fashion and had some of it drip down my chin. And then I used the back of my hand to like wipe it off. And then I handed the glass back and went, thanks. You know, that kind of thing. Um, and yes, <laughs> you know, and I got it from watching so this movie. I've, I've made, I made note of this specific scene. Oh, with wonderful. The lemonade just for the same reason. Okay. It's, uh, <laughs> it is like, it's like, he knows what he's doing. You got like, don't, I'm just going to let this ice cold lemonade drip down my neck. <laughs> Man, you know, and the thing is, the reason I did it myself is when I'd seen this as a kid, I I saw Kelly McGillis's reaction, which is just like one of, oh, my God, I, you know, I I don't know what she's thinking, but it's obviously she's like looking at it with a lot of desire. Uh Oh, so that's what you do. You you take a drink and you, you know, that's how relationships work. Exactly. I I, I know that one now. (laughs) Got it. Right. Everything I know, I've learned from movies. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've been let down many times. Yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> yeah, I've tried. I've <laughs> pulled a lot of stupid stunts that I saw. Right. Yeah. And yes, uh, but but this one ended up being successful. You know, mm-hmm. uh, more yeah. successful than than you would think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a lot less like just out there than other techniques. It is exactly like standing outside someone's house with a boombox. That doesn't really work. <laughs> you know. Don't do it, everybody. You're not <laughs> Lloyd Dover. Exactly. Yeah. And if you can find a boombox, let me know. <laughs> yes, exactly. We're in 2023. So if you meet Ioni Sky, you know, go get a boombox on eBay. Of, of, of Yeah, you're not going to find it. Um, <laughs> anyway, so he's helping out and they invite him to the, the barn raising, which is awesome. Yes. Man. Like that's a big deal. Like in the Amish community, from what I understand. It is. These are huge events. Yep. Um, when you go to a barn raising, it... it, it that you build a barn in one day because all the men from the area come together and you all chip in and you get the whole thing done in one day. It's that, a that's a huge community event. Yes. And that's how like farm work is done too, because like most farmers, you know, they, they have like, you know, a lot of field, a lot of pasture. Mm-hmm. And so they have a lot of oats that they, that need to be threshed. And so you just work each other's farms, you know, like, okay, so we're going to be on my uncle's farm today. We're going to go down the road to this other guy's farm tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, um, uh, it's, it's just everybody kind of works together to to get the job done quickly. Yeah, it's and a great community. It is. And the barn raising, too. I mean, there, there's real carpentry going on in this sequence. Mm-hmm. I love how Eli is the leader, you know? Yeah. He's just like, you know, I ain't, sorry, sorry, you know? And yeah. he's like, you know, telling everybody what to, to get going. And and they have that that pulley uh, that they use to, to, to get the frame up. Uh-huh. Uh, this is when we also meet, uh, you know, Daniel's little brother, Moses Hawkleitner. Oh, yeah. Played by Vigo Mortensen, everybody. Oh, man. And you know? He is young and slim. and <laughs> Not that he's not a slim man right, nowadays, right. but, man, he is a young buck in this movie. He does not look like Aragorn. He, he's about 20, maybe. I mean, he looks so maybe. young. Yeah. And this was his first on-screen appearance. Yeah. His film yeah. debut. He had to decide between going to this movie set or doing, uh, like, some Shakespeare Shakespeare play. in the Park, he, yeah. yeah. It was a total divide in the road. Which right. way do I want to go with my career? Right. And he, and he chose that. And, you know, it turned out pretty well for him. It's, you know, <laughs> yeah, wow. It's so, so cool. Yeah. Um, and to just like, to just, obviously when I, when I first saw the film, no one knew who Viggo Mortensen was, right, but yeah. like all these years later, you're watching like, and you just, your jaws on the floor. Cause you're like, now that is one hell of a film. Like, like where, where you see a movie star for the first time, right. like in their, their debut where they don't really have much of a speaking role. Yeah. Even. He has maybe a few lines throughout the whole movie. Right. That's it. Right. 
Uh, well, he t- he tells Daniel not to do anything later. He, that, like, he's just like, do snitch, Daniel. You know, that, that's mm-hmm. all he says. And he and he introduces himself, says, I'm Moses. But you don't even hear him when he says mm-hmm. it. Um, it's Viggo Mortensen. I, I, I still can't believe it. <laughs> it I, you it's know. awesome. Yeah. He's helping with the barn. <laughs> yep. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, and they're like using hand tools. Yes. Like hand drills, saws, hammers. Like it's it's all by hand. And I love this too, because like you, you like you mentioned about Harrison Ford, like being a carpenter actually in his spare time too. Um, you, you know, you see him really drilling and really, you know, augering holes to like, you know, get those pegs in there. Yep. And it's cool too to watch him work with Daniel. Um, yes. You know, I was going to mention that Daniel at one point gets some lemonade handed to him, yep. and he hands it to Harrison Ford and he's right. like, "Hey, buddy, you want a drink?" Yeah. You know, even though we're you know at odds with Kelly McGillis, I'm still going to offer this to you, like because before yeah. the barn raising happened, he's walking like Daniel and John are walking together, mm-hmm. and he says, uh, "So, how is your hole?" Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bullet wound. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, "Well, it's about healed up." He goes, "Ah, good." Now you, you can leave. Now exactly. <laughs> you can go home now. <laughs> yeah, he's he's jealous. And totally. He's ready for him to go, but not just for, you know, the, the romantic aspect. Like, yeah, he's an outsider. He should go. Yeah. You know? I mean, he doesn't yeah. belong here. Yeah. Right. And that's and, how and, everyone feels. And he's and he's like by now he's also like wearing Rachel's ex-husband's clothes. Yeah. Uh, he's like kind of play dressing up as Amish. Yeah, you know? that, that makes it a little worse. You yes. Know? Like, yes. This guy's pretending to be one of us right and yeah not everyone knows the full situation I, I think like the elders know and like but i'm assuming not everyone knows why he's there well I, I i think well yeah they don't know why he's there but they do know he's an outsider yeah they you know, know that for right. sure right yeah. Um, but yeah but they um, might not know about the, the cops and the exactly, danger yes. and all that stuff right because they would probably yeah. not have even shown up to the barn raising had they known oh this guy's a wanted man kind of you right know? Um, but yeah, I, I love this sequence for a lot of reasons, obviously, because, you know, just the, to, to see an Amish barn raising on film like this is, is really something special. Um, and also to, to, to know that like, um, this is kind of ultimate method acting for everybody in this scene because they're really doing a barn raising. I mean, like they're, you know, like doing all the work themselves. Yep. Um, and it's also great too, to watch, you know, uh, because there's all kinds of OSHA violations that happen, you know, (laughs) (laughs) there's one point like, (laughs) Do they have steel toe shoes? Uh, they do not. Okay. I mean, like at one point, like Harrison Ford is standing on like, but on two beams and like trying to get and this he's one. Sawing yes, I mean, like, they, and I think like Moses like throws him a saw at one point, yeah. and I mean, yeah, you can't do that, he's everybody. Like, he's like fifty feet up. Yes, balancing on two beams, holding a two by four on his knee. Exactly. And yes, it. and like, he's what? not, and he's not tied in. He's not right, strapped exactly. in at all. You know. Yeah. OSHA violations galore. They'd You're be correct. in a lot of trouble. Um, and you know what? Didn't you just get shot five days ago? I mean, like, how I know. are you doing this? The, now the bullet did go in and out, I guess. But yeah, it, well, I mean, true. But look, I, I guess I, he did say his hole is better. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he established that his hole is doing great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when your hole's doing good, you can do anything, right? Like, Jesus, dude. <laughs> I mean. You're absolutely right about like doing farm work when you've been shot. I mean, that that would take a while to get back from. Sure, but standing on the top of a barn and sawing it in half, (laughs) holding two by tens, and I know, like a gorilla. I know, yeah, exactly. It it, it probably can't be dead because I remember like when I this movie sucks. It's so fake. I had to have an operation at one point and like, um, they, they just, a very small incision in my stomach. Yeah. And like, I mean, this thing was probably like two inches long. Oh yeah. And like, I couldn't move, you know, yeah. it's, 
it's yeah. tough, you know. He's just that tough, man. <laughs> exactly. Right. But and when you can down a uh, glass of lemonade that quick, you know, you, you know, you're really double tough. Don't know how long he's been there. I'm assuming it's been maybe a week. Yeah. Like that's what it feels like. Right. Um, it could be longer than that. Who knows? Yeah. It took two days for him to. He was like in kind of a a fever for two days during his recovery. Right. Uh, like when Rachel was nursing him back to health. Right. And like throughout all this, he's going into town and calling his partner Carter. Yeah. Yep. To find out what's going on with the case. Right. Um, and he goes into town, goes into a phone booth, calls, and Paul and McPhee and Fergie, as they call him, yes. Ferguson, they want to find him because they know they got to take him out if they're going to get away with this. Right. And it's their number one priority. And Carter's like, dude. Yes. You can't come into town. You can't get within a mile of the city. They will get you. Right. And uh, Carter... You talk about like someone who is wronged, you know. Um, oh yeah. I mean, this guy Brent Jennings is the actor. He plays Carter, and like he's John Book's partner, and he is now swept up in this because he's John Book's partner. Yep. And Schaefer, being the asshole, dirty cop that he is, is sweating down Carter. You know, trying to get him to, to give up where Book yeah. is hiding, and because him he and destroyed all the evidence. So yes. There's no addresses. There's nothing. Right. And and like that's the other thing too is that like. Uh, like Schaefer is so frustrated because yeah, like Carter did uh, destroy all the address information, but like that was, that was the only link to figure out where, right. where book is hiding because the Amish just don't, uh, they're not in those kinds of records, right. you know, at least they weren't at the time. And, uh, at one point he calls like uh, Lancaster County PD. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the chief is like telling him or the sheriff's, you know, telling the guy, telling Schaefer, you know, uh, about the situation and how there's just no, there's like yeah. 40,000 laps just in this one community, you know? Yep. And they can't just go to every farm. Go door to door to every <laughs> yes. single person. Yes. And Schaefer says, well, why don't you just uh, get on the phone and start calling people? And he goes, well, that's a good idea, but seeing as the Amish don't have phones, <laughs> I don't think we'd get anywhere. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know. Shaver's like, well, I appreciate the education. Yeah, it's been an education. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, there was one other thing, too, going on like in the summertime for me was um, at the time in, in the New Order Church, there, there was a, a phone situation in which... Yeah, nobody has phones in their house and nobody has electricity in their house, but there is a community phone that like the whole everybody within a mile or so uses. And it's like one phone number for for 20 households essentially. Okay. And um the the phone box happened to be on my grandparents' property, you know, luckily enough. Uh-huh. But like the the a, a very loud bell would go off and it you know, it would like ring the whole valley, you know, like everybody could hear it. And one of my jobs, one of my tasks was to run down from the barn or the house to answer the phone. Oh. And hopefully it was for like my grandpa or my uncle or somebody within, you know, that I could just call within to. Within a few feet? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but often it wasn't. Not a mile away? Sometimes it was a mile away and I'd have to like take down the information and go to their house. It was like Goodfellas. I was like relaying phone messages <laughs> back and forth. You know, you had to go to Paulie. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yes. I, I was holding Tootie's umbrella for him while, while he, you know, like got the message. <laughs> it's just like, and I mean, I, it was just like, yeah, can I speak to John Hirschberger, please? I'm like, oh, fuck. You know, I got to go out to this guy's house. How often do you think it was just like a telemarketer and they're like, no, leave me <sighs> you, alone. You, you, yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and I was 10 years old, so I didn't know shit. And, and, and probably, I probably was taking a bunch of crap messages, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
That's funny. Were you using the phone to like call out, call your friends? Uh, no. Call I, call MTV. Or no, something, exactly. you know? I wanted to so badly. <laughs> yes, I wanted to call Nintendo Power Helpline oh, at some man. point. But I mean, like, what would I have done? I didn't have it. I didn't have my like three dollars a minute. <laughs> exactly. You didn't have a Nintendo out there, though. Did no, you? I did not. You didn't smuggle an I NES. Didn't, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. I didn't have any electricity. Well, that's true. You know, yeah. That's I mean, true. like that—that that was the thing about like returning <laughs> to regular American kid life with pro wrestling and Nintendo and going to the movies. Like it was just such a culture shock, you know. Like yeah. that you you go into, you live for six weeks, and then you have the same culture shock the other way around. Right, you get used to it, and yes. then you're like, oh, wow. Right. But did you have a newfound appreciation and respect for things? Absolutely. That's awesome. Yes. That is so awesome, yep. dude. Mm-hmm. Um, where are we at now? Uh, let's see. Well, now, now we're at the, uh, creeping on her scene, right? Yeah. 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 This is a controversial scene in, uh, you know, like in my house it was anyway. Well, yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch it with your dad or something? Uh, it was with yeah. my dad and mom. Okay. Yeah. Um, and v- visiting relatives and, um, right. whatever else. Every time, like well, there was a new house guest. Witness, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, we watched it as a family and as a, like a communal activity with mm-hmm. other families multiple times and uh the first time we did it my mom fast forwarded through it okay and back then when you fast forwarded on this vcr we had like you couldn't see anything it was like scrambled porn okay but eventually you know when i watched it on my own when i was like you know later on uh-huh. i i i didn't fast forward through oh, it and paused it exactly <laughs> that's right and now there's tracking errors suspiciously <laughs> in this you know <laughs> area of the film right why does everyone return this tape at the same spot <laughs> So what we're saying is we see <laughs> Kelly McGillis's breast. Yes, in the movie. yes. She's in the bathroom like bathing with a sponge and a dish, and the scene is it's lit with candlelight and everything, and it, it's a sensual scene. Yeah. And Harrison Ford is standing in the doorway looking at her, kind of like lusting after her almost. Right. He's, he's obviously looking at her with desire. Yeah. And uh, she sees him, turns around, and she's bearing all to him. Right. Almost inviting him. Hey. I'm here for you. That is what is happening. She, and, she is definitely offering herself. And they are both very tempted. And Harrison Ford doesn't go in there. Right. And she turns away almost mad. Like, she doesn't get, like, angry or mad, but she turns away almost ashamed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because she's, like, made an offer. And, and he, like, even if he didn't, like, fully reject her, he, he walked away from, I mean, he could have said something. He could have done anything, but he didn't do anything. I know. And there's no dialogue in the scene. Like, the, this movie does such a fantastic job of show, don't tell. Absolutely, it man. It is a prime example. Absolutely. One, this is film language. They, they cut out at the end of the movie when they part ways. Apparently, there was, like... Two pages of dialogue. That's right. And the producers got mad that Peter Weir cut it. Right. He's like, dude, are you guys stupid? I know. Like, we know how they feel. And if we don't, I didn't do my job right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, and, and to, to know that they that they were pissed off at him for, like, making a film. Yeah. And telling a story with images. <laughs> right. I mean, for fuck's sake. Don't you know anything about your trade? Yeah. Well, we're afraid the audience won't know how they feel. Oh, right? God damn well, then it. then that's on them. Exactly. I mean, then then the audience needs to be educated. And, and may, maybe the next time they'll get it. You know? Yeah. Uh, uh, wow. But, yeah, wonderful. Wonderful scene. Great scene. Awesome. And the next scene, John Book finds her and says, like, hey, I wanted to, but we can't. Right. Either... I'd have to stay or you'd have to leave. He's absolutely right about yeah, that. 100%. Because like this, they, they, they could not, they, they could, I guess, technically have a one-off in secret, but it wouldn't stay a secret. No, I mean, like, no way. Yeah. It would get out. Right. 
and it's a continuation of the earlier scene where uh, Eli caught them in the barn. Like Book is trying to get his car started again yeah. because it, it's busted down, and she's like holding the the lantern for him, and it gets the 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 radio kicks on because the battery's working. Yeah, and it's like it's playing this old tune. Uh, uh, yeah. Don't know much about history. Yep, um, and. She has never danced in her life. She's never heard pop music in her life. Mm -hmm. And this is all brand new. And he starts playfully, you know, like dancing around her and and singing the song. And she is there for it. She's like, oh, man, yeah, yeah, this is great. And she starts, she's dancing now. Yeah. And Eli walks in and, oh, man, you know. Yeah. What are you doing? You're listening to their music. Right. You're dancing with this strange man. Like, these are things you cannot be doing. He tells her, you know, you, you, you've brought fear into this house, uh, fear of English, you yeah. know, and uh, there's talk of, of you being shunned and they can do it. And I talked about like, you know, just the, the, the idea of shunning, obviously you, you brought it up previously. It's, it's when the bishop and the deacons, when, when they shun someone, essentially you are a non-person, you know, um, yeah. it's, it's called the bond. And uh, what it means is like within your own household, someone doesn't exist. Uh, no one talks to them. No one takes anything from their hand. No one worships with them. You just are like, that's the, and, and the, the rest alone. of the community, exactly. Yeah. The community doesn't, you know, acknowledge you either. Can you be like reinstated yes, back in? You can. Okay. Um, and it's, but it's all about the bishop, you know, like okay. what, what, what they, like the bishop is an absolute sovereign in some ways, you know, in the Amish community. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very cruel practice. Um, it, it doesn't go on in the new order as much anymore yeah. in the old order. It still it's does. A, it's a solitary confinement. Yeah. You're free to move about and do things right. Right. But you can't interact with anybody. Exactly. That sucks. Everyone yeah. just ignores you. And it's like, you, you think, well, okay, you, you can, you can weather that, but like eventually it does start to become, you know, like it does drive you to madness at some point because, you know, like you, you can't make, you can't tell them what you're feeling. No one will listen. Right. We're social creatures. We need that. Yes. There's countless studies of deprivation of that and it has a horrible impact on the mind. Yes, exactly. It happened during the pandemic to a lot of people. Yeah. You know, we've mentioned that John book's been going in town and checking on the case. He goes in again now. Yeah. And he's asking for Carter, his partner, and there's been an unfortunate accident. He was shot. He was killed on duty. So Harrison Ford knows Schaefer took him out. Schaefer, McPhee, somebody took him out. Right. So he calls Paul Schaefer. <laughs> he calls him at home again. He's having a family barbecue. He takes the call in the den or whatever. And immediately, John Book is like, you motherfucker. I'm coming for you now. Like, I love how you f- killed him. I love how like, fearsome yeah. he is on this call. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, I'm going to fucking kill, kill, fucking kill you. I'm just like, yeah. yes, 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 yes. You know, <laughs> and Paul like doesn't know the jig is up yet. Like, yeah. He's not 100% sure like what the, the angle is on this. Right. So he hears this and he like hangs up the phone. He's like, oh shit. Because he's scared. Yeah. I mean, he just, cause like it wouldn't, I mean, look, <laughs> you know, all, that, that reaction I was having in 1986 or whatever uh-huh. to like, you know, oh man, I'm, you know, I, that, that's what Paul Schaefer is like going through right now. He's just pissing his pants because he knows oh, that this, yeah. when Harrison you know, Ford is scorning you, dude, yes, exactly. <laughs> you, you're, you can't even see that finger pointing at you. Oh, you're in deep yeah. shit. But like after this, he's, he's frustrated now, right? Like his partner's dead, right? The case is fucked up. Like he's stuck here. What is he, what's his play? Like, what can he do? Yeah. So. Throughout the movie, there's been instances of where, like, the modern society, people from it are kind of making fun of the Amish. Yeah. They're trying to take their pictures. Tourists. They're, yeah. they're tourists. Right. Yeah. 
and they're fascinated or disgusted by the Amish, Amish culture. They get bullied. Did you just hear what that Amish just said to me? Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, like at, at one point, and he, she, uh, young man, would I, can you I please take your picture? And uh, the tour guide had just said, don't take your yes, picture. Yes. Now, the Amish don't like that when you take their picture, you know, and, and oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> that there's an industry with a tour bus to look at <laughs> someone's culture. It's, it's, really pretty obscene and it's so blatant too it's not like hey we'll go there and we'll just hang out and you can observe yeah it's we got fucking t-shirts with the word amish tour on it i know it's like bullshit it it really is that is horrible in my hometown i mean like it is kind of the backbone of the economy now is is all that shit and and it's just like it still exists yeah oh Oh, man man. it's it's bigger than it was screw that i know i mean just support you kill that For real. All he would have to do is to threaten to strangle someone with their brassiere and and, and the whole thing topples. (laughs) So they're heading back into town again and uh, they get stopped by a couple of hooligans. But these toughs. Yes. These these fucking, these guys from the Warriors stop them. (laughs) I know, dude. These guys are fucking baseball furies if you've ever seen them. And they stop. They're they're putting ice cream on Daniel's face. Uh, you, you know, Carl's going to get his machine gun and kill you. That's you know, all you can think careful, of. You're not careful, man. A, a, a modern audience, when they watch that, they're, they're thinking of Carl like, Gruber, yeah. like, just machine gunning this guy. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> I can't believe it. But, like... They're messing with them. Yeah. Like, what are you guys going to do about it? You can't do anything about this. We're just going to bully you, you know? And Harrison Ford gets out of the car, and Eli's like, no, don't do this. Right. This is not our way. And John Buck says, yeah, but it's my way. What an ignorant fuck, honestly. <laughs> oh, I know. Like, come on, dude. Really? I know. I know. You're trying to hide in plain sight, and you're going to do this? So <sighs> he gets up there, and he punches the one guy, and, you know, they get in a fight, and the cops come. He beats this guy pretty severely. I mean, like... Oh, the, yeah, he's bloodied up right. pretty bad. I mean, he get, gets him in the stomach a couple times, busts his nose. The the other, like, you know, big Zangief motherfucker walks over, <laughs> like, grand, like jumps on Harrison Ford's back, and he elbows him in the stomach and roughs him up. Yep. And it's satisfying, of course, to watch these guys get their comeuppance. Because, right. like, they're... they're they're picking on, they're, they're not just, I, I hate the, uh, not picking on, they're, they're like harassing people for no they reason, are. you know? Um, and they're, they're taking advantage of a situation to like, just bully someone for the sake of it. And it's really, really wrong. Right. It's disgusting. It is. They deserve a comeuppance. Exactly. But book could have told them, you know, like he could have done it without violence. I mean, like, I know it's hard to reason with people like this, but he's from the outside and he's seen this kind of thing before he could have figured out a way. Right. And now he's tarnished the community's reputation. Because he was seen getting out of Eli's buggy. Yeah. You know? Um, and that that one uh, townie, that old man, comes over and, like, yeah. you know, like, investigates the situation. Like, you're ruining the tourist industry. <sighs> you, you tell that to your Ohio friend. Yeah. Um, I love that 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 remark that like you know when so he he's comes my over cousin from Ohio. Oh yeah. man, man! All those them Ohio Amish must be a different breed. It's like yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Like I've been John Book's a flawed dude. We've been yeah. saying this, and this is like really puts it on there. Like, and he's this not is fully understanding what he's a part of right here. Like he kind of is, but he doesn't care. And it's the first time we see Harrison Ford's really handsome frown. It's oh, when yeah. it's when he punches that guy and like mm-hmm. his eyebrows arch and his and his his mouth goes into like a full cartoon like a Joker frown almost yeah. and his face contorts and like 
uh, you just see him so intensely hitting this yeah. guy, you know, and it's like really happening. I mean, right. like I think that whoever the stuntman was who, you know, playing the bully, I mean, like he yeah. really takes a, some pretty good bumps he from does. this. And, and I mean, if he's taking out his frustrations from the case. Of right? course. Like his partner's dead. Yeah. You know, the phone call with Paul, like he is so frustrated right now. He's taking it out on these guys. Yes. I think if the phone call situation hadn't just happened, maybe he'd keep his cool a little more, but... Because he has witnessed this before, not to this extent, right? But he's ready to pop already, and then this happens. Yes, so yeah. That's just why he goes directly the, afterward. Yeah, that's yeah. why he hits him, right? To take out his frustration. Yep. And they um, go back to the farm, and a cop shows up at that scene, and you don't really see anything from it. But I believe this is how Paul finds out. Yes. Like, oh, this Amish person att- attacked these dudes. He hears about it, and he knows, and that's the area where yeah, he is. So exactly. he's like, all right, that that's got to be him. I mean, because they could probably like pinpoint exactly where the incident took place and know, okay, this town is near this area, and then they can just like see, okay, and there's this many lap farms. Got and it, you know, there were plenty of witnesses. Yeah, they know who Eli Lap, lap that, is. That's true. Like, so yep. they know. Where oh he yeah, was. it'd be real easy. Yeah. Yep. From there on. Yep. yep. So they, that's how they found him. Yep. And then, um, they come for him. And they, they, they park the car like off the property, and there's that great like it. shot of of. Yeah, Danny Glover, Fergie, and Schaefer, mm-hmm. you know, like walking with rifles toward the farm. Yep. And it's an overcast day. That uh, big wide shot of the farm. And wow. And walking in line down that dirt road. And then the score comes oh, in just yeah. right underneath it. And it's, it's yeah, it's quite like really impressively staged. Mm-hmm. I mean, the movie won an Oscar for cinematography, And dude. well deserved because this, this is a great Jonathan looking Seale, film. Man, it's awesome. Yes. Um, yeah, it looks great. I mean, and they won for the music too, right? Yes. And they are also nominated for like eight other things. Best director, picture, best picture. director, actor. Yeah. Um, and they lost all those, unfortunately. Um, but yeah. you know, they were, I, I feel that they were, I mean, obviously we, we could, we always talk about the Academy and everything like that. Right. And of course another movie gets hosed, but here we are. Right. And the Academy doesn't mean everything. Of you course know, Like movies don't need to be nominated to be great or even be better than the nominated films, but we're doing a podcast about it, witness right now when we, and we're not doing a podcast about out of Africa. Yes, you know? exactly. Um, so here we are. Yeah. Out of what? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Never heard of it. Um, no, but yeah. And that's the way it always goes, right? Like yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. I always like to mention the Oscars because it shows like, yeah, people took notice. Yes, because like it is, it is an honor to be nominated. Yeah. It is, it is a good thing to be acknowledged by because you're like it's being, uh, when you're nominated, that means that your peers, you know, thought that you deserved like special mention. And you know what? Um, did it get? Did it win for screenplay too, or was it nominated? I don't I know. Was, but anything that's nominated for a screenplay usually is a really good movie, if you ask me. Okay. Because yeah. In, in by your opinion, standards, we're kind of going off track here, but yeah. in my standards. If it has a screenplay nomination, usually it's pretty good. Yeah. That that's just the way I see it in in my history. So. Well, and I I feel that way about best director as well cuz yeah. there there have been times when like a director was nominated but the film was not. Yeah. And like it it never really made sense to me when I first started hearing about it, but then I realized, well, no, it, it there, there are times when that could be, you know, the situation. Right. Um, and you, you're still acknowledging that 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 director, because it's it's really you're you're awarding both the director and their whole crew, you know, yeah, for right. their efforts. Right. Exactly. Um. So they come to the farm and they're gonna get John Book, man. Yeah. They barge into the house. Eli and Rachel are in there, and Paul 
has his shotgun and his badge out, and he's like, hey, we're cops. We're not going to hurt you. We're not going to hurt the boy. Yeah, right. Yeah, they're going to kill Samuel. Yeah. And, like, we, we talked about earlier about, like, you know, like some questionable shit that John Book did at that bar. Um, like, that is nothing compared to what Schaefer and McPhee and Fergie are doing no. in this situation, obviously. They are using their badge as a weapon, and they are full-on criminals. Yep. Pose it masquerading as... Exactly. They're the ultimate corrupt cops. I Abs- mean, this yes. is corrupt cop. Yes. Exactly. And, like... The idea that they're going to kill a child and probably kill Rachel. Um, oh, they might. They'll kill all of them. They're going to kill Eli. They'll yes. kill John Buck. They'll kill all of them. I mean, when when Eli comes in carrying the milk from the from the barn, like the first thing that McPhee does is is, you know, like give him five across the eyes. Yeah. Um, a, an old man, yeah, a 70 year old man just gets, you know, yeah. slugged by Clocked this guy by Danny Glover. Exactly. Yes. Um, but so John book and Samuel are in the barn right? and they hear, uh, what's happening. They yell like, right. Grandpa yells at him. He yells book. And then that's when he gets smacked. I think by yes. Danny Glover. Um, so now he's tipped off. He tells Samuel to run to the other farm, get away, which he kind of does. And he comes back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a dumbass kid. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Luke is hot. Come on. I Lucas, mean, I mean in, the, in the end. Yeah. Like cause, exactly. Cause, cause like it was another good, like, uh, yeah. John book dad moment. Cause he goes, Samuel, I want you to go to the thing. I want you to yeah. run fast as you can. And he's like, yep. well, but you don't have your gun. And he, and he hugs him in a loving way, yep. but it's like really violent. It, yeah. it, it's like the, 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 he hugs him the same way he beat up the, the tough <laughs> in the, in the town. Right. Like yeah. it's just, he just grabs his kid, you know, like this, you know, it's, everything he does Dude, is with such intensity. That's awesome. And I, I know in this scene, um, Lucas Haas was having trouble getting on his mark, you know? Oh, okay. And like Harrison Ford was doing it and like hugging him <laughs> and positioning him. Oh, is that what was going yeah. on? Okay. That makes sense. For that over the shoulder shot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, like, that's awesome, man. He, what a great actor. He, I know. He, he knows. I know he had his hands in the whole production, too. Harrison yeah. Ford did. Like, yeah. So he knew what he's doing. It's awesome. And he, and he was even like he's acting, adding to the technical part of it. Right. Yeah. He's doing this while performing in one of his best performances right. of his life. Yes. Excellent, dude. Harrison Ford. Yeah, this guy rules. Um, so now Fergie is coming after him with his shotgun. And they go down into the grain silo. Which is awesome, man. Like, I love this kill. I love this. I mean, in all movie deaths... Corn kernels never have killed one man. I mean, John Book's corn blitz is an (laughs) all-time horrific way to die. It is. I mean... He asphyxiates uh, your last corn dust. Your last minutes on earth are about as miserable as you get. Yeah, because like thousands of hard kernels and an infinitesimal number of like dust particles. Yep. Just like filling every orifice in your head. Yeah. And meanwhile, your your whole body's being surrounded by other corn. You're being buried. Yeah. Um, it is like so, Yeah. So what happens is there's this corn silo, and Fergie thinks that John Book went in there, so he goes into the silo. But John Book is, like, up on the side of it, and he kind of releases the lever where the corn kernels will fall. And they come down, and as you can imagine, this is freshly harvested corn. Tons of dust and particles and dirt and everything. And they just, like, splash down like rain onto him nonstop. And he's trapped (laughs) in this silo, can't get out. And he's, like, coughing and gagging and, like, drooling from his mouth while it's happening. 
It goes on for a good minute. It it keeps we going. We watch this guy just. I die. know. I mean, like, and Dude. and you said the drool. I mean, like. Yeah. This guy, I mean, he is really experiencing whatever's happening here. He barely, like, gets an inch of the door open, but can't because the corn is too heavy. Yeah, it's piling up. can't open it. Right. And he's trying to breathe through this. These, like, lips in his nose are, like, poking through. And he's like, (gasps) dude, it is horrible. And his face is, like, all yellow now from all the dust. I mean, he looks like he's jaundiced, but also, like, you know, uh, it's like, it's a a really disturbing way to die. It is, man. They filmed this and... Apparently had a hidden oxygen mask that they had. To oh, use. thank God! I mean, they, Which, if you ask me, that's still not that safe. No, it's not exactly. <laughs> this this like, is like this is where 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 Peter Weir becomes Kubricki, and you're asking yeah. this guy to do this thing. It's like, hey, man, you know, I I, I know yeah. there's an oxygen mask, but you're still making me breathe corn for minutes at a time. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. <sighs> but yeah, dude, it is it is a death you will never forget. Yep, yep. Um, and. McPhee is like, you know, yelling for Ferg. He can't find him. He yeah. goes over to get Schaefer and tells me, you know, I can't find Fergie anywhere. And so you got to come and check this out. So now like Schaefer is telling Rachel and Eli to come with him. And uh, Samuel has, instead of going to Hawk Leitner's farm, he stopped halfway, ran back mm-hmm. and is now in the house. And Eli signals him to ring the bell outside. Yeah. And that alerts the rest of the community that there's something going on at the farm. Yep. And people start showing up. Yep. Um, and, now McPhee is running into the barn to get book because he knows, okay, he's in there. He, he just did something to Fergie. I got to go get him. Right. So he runs in and Harrison Ford is able to get the shotgun out of Fergie's hand under all this corn. Man. Right. Like, he's digging he through it. I know. It and just in time as McPhee comes around the corner, one blast to the <laughs> chest <laughs> yeah. and he goes against the wall and that blood smears on it. Man, it is awesome. It's a great death for Danny Glover in I this mean, film. He's just so perfectly centered in the middle yes. of the shot and he's like letting his body slide down the, like the his leg, his knees aren't bending. He's yeah. kind of sliding right. forward. Like, oh dude. And, and the, there's this white tile on the, on the wall, you know, like a milk house. And you see that great blood streak right yeah, down dude. it. And then as in his, with his last like dying breath, he fires his rifle into the air. Yo, bam, like this. Yeah. And like, you see the, the dust come down from it as he expires. Uh-huh. Whew! Yeah, really good stuff. It's a pretty good climax. Yeah, yeah. And then Paul gets... um, Does he have someone hostage here? He doesn't. He takes... Yeah, he takes Rachel hostage. Oh, he does take Rachel hostage. He's got got his gun to, to her head. And this is when, like, it's more of Harrison Ford, you know, like, like doing that fearsome like yell acting yeah. that it like where it's right. yeah, I've, you, had, you hadn't seen him do this kind of thing in a movie before but he's just like he's got that same frown on that he had in town with the bullies yeah and he's pointing his gun at schaefer and going you gotta go paul you, fucking, yeah. you, fucking, you know like this yep. and 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 finally you know he drops his gun so that yeah. so that paul will let her go uh and he leads schaefer leads them both out but now the whole community is there yeah everyone's there like there must be at least 50 people here yes. now and schaefer is surrounded by all of them and they're not, like, confronting him or anything, just kind of standing there Just watching, watching. right. And Harrison Ford is saying, like, yeah, you're going to kill all of us? You're going to kill him? You're going to kill her? Right. He grabs Samuel and is like, are you going to kill him? Ugh. And Rachel, like, screams when oh, he does man, that. Oh, man, yeah. Man, it's pretty intense. <laughs> I know. And Paul knows the jig is up, and he gives the gun to Harrison Ford. He surrenders. He gives him the rifle, and then, like, Harrison Ford, like, just grabs the, the, the revolver out of his, like, yeah, belt. Yeah, he rips it from his belt. And, he, and like, he's still looking at him, almost crying, just like... <sighs> 
right. you know, like he's so exhausted and frustrated and he's also like, you know, ex- and exasperated obviously at, at this because it's a whole culmination of this cop who obviously mentored him, you know, like went yeah. bad. They and, don't even go into that territory in the film. Like, right. That's something you think about when you do a podcast about it. Yeah, like, that's that right. Exactly. Not, like in the movie at right. all. But yeah, of course, they have a very strong relationship that he trusted him. That's right. And he was betrayed. Yep. And the wool was over his eyes for how long? At least two years? Probably longer? It's And it's it's like the ultimate betrayal because yeah. it's life and death. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was willing to sacrifice John Book's life. You know, I mean, Marge Gunderson would be would be given Paul Schaefer yeah. the speech of all time, you know, all for a little bit of money. You know, I wish Paul tried to climb out of the barn in his underwear. Like, no, <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> and he's shoving Eli in the wood chipper. <laughs> yep. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, that's the end. He surrenders and. We cut to, you know, all the cops have shown up. They've, they've got the situation under control now. Paul is arrested. They're depositioning everybody, you know. And I, it's it's so minor, but I love the shot. It's it's in the distance of, like, John Book standing against a squad car with other cops. And he's in his Amish clothes still, but he's smoking a cigarette. Yeah, yeah. It's such a great, like, um, <laughs> you know, this is now Book in his element again. Yeah, like, he is. he's back... Back to the case, yep. back to police work, back to his world. Back to his gruff life, you know. He's a big city cop again. And Paul is, like, in the window in the back seat of that cruiser, like, while he's smoking that cigarette yeah. next to him. Yeah, yeah. And he's just staring at the floor. Because, I mean, like, <laughs> it, you know, we, we, we kind of, we, 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 you mentioned his barbecue when, when Book called him. Uh-huh. Like, it's such a scene of domestic bliss. Right. You know, uh... His wife answers the phone in, like, the foyer. Yeah. Right next to their big staircase. Right. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll just take it in the lobby. Or and he's got I'll his... I'll take it in the office. I'll take I'll, it in the... Yeah, on the... The den, right. the library, you know. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Exactly, because he's got one yeah. of those rooms in this big house. Yeah. You know, and he's wearing that barbecue apron, like, you know, kiss the cook or whatever. Yeah. Oh, man. And, and you see, like, outside, the, the, it's it's in the shot, like, the there, there's a, an actual bar, like, you see his yeah. daughters and everything. Yeah, and out the window in the background, you can see everyone's out there having fun. The some, family's right. having their barbecue. And right. He's on the phone with John book telling him he's gonna fucking kill him yeah this is what this guy has to lose yep like it's real subtle like you realize okay yeah this guy has quote unquote everything right so he'll do anything to keep that yep and it's also just like it's it's a a total mask obviously i mean like he's got everything he's a fraud yeah totally and when he goes to prison life is going to be very hard for him i mean the chief of police in prison like that i mean you know they're not yeah. going to take kindly to it. His life is going to be desperate for a long time. Um, and yeah, uh, the, the end of Paul Schaefer, you don't want to be him, <laughs> you know? Right. No, dude. Um, and this is the very end. We get the scene of John Buck leaving, going back to civilization, to his own world. And Kelly McGillis is in the doorway while he's on the porch. And they just look at each other and for a moment. And I think they think of what it could have been and realize it can't be. And he leaves. Boy, you know, it's. I just realized you, you mentioned about like the lack of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last spoken word um, in the movie comes between Samuel and Book. Like, because like after that, after the, the crime scene uh, goes away, uh-huh. you see Book now in his city clothes 
or no, wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, they're sitting there together. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and and he he says, you know, buy John book, and you know, goodbye, yeah. Samuel. I think there might be one more. There is I one more. Eli, says, Eli says, "You be careful out there among them English." Yeah, you know. <laughs> and Harrison Ford gives that smile. Yes, and, yes. And then gets in the car. But there is a long stretch there where it is no dialogue. It is. It is. You know, and even like they're. Um, the, the, the night before Schaefer and McPhee and Fergie showed up, Rachel and Book did have a moment oh, together. Oh, yes. They, they kiss. Yes. They embrace. They're making out, man. I mean, it's it's like a real... He's kissing her neck. I know. Like, yeah. out in the driveway. I'm it's like, Dude. more Harrison Ford intensity. Like, oh, the way man. he's just, like, attacking her skin. You know, <laughs> I mean, like, Kelly McGillis is, like, kind of, you know, she, she's in ecstasy, you know, what's right. and she's really portraying it well, but it's like, he is really going for it. He's just, oh, like, man. mauling her. Yeah, um, almost like he mauling everything else. Yes, exactly. That's what John Book does, dude. <laughs> dude, yeah. Um, yeah, but that was like the night before. There was some big, huge argument yeah. with the grandfather and everything. Like, So, yeah, right. she takes her bonnet off and like go, runs into the street and kisses him. Yeah. Yeah. I know, yeah, because like... Yeah, the taking the covering off, you, that, that good observation there, because that, that's not something you do. Oh, I was you know? like, oh, man, is she... She's leaving now? Like, wow, what's happening? A woman's hair is only for her husband to see, yeah, you know, so, in, in that community. So, yeah. So, yeah, she she's crossing the lines here. Right. Um, uh, hopefully no one saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone did because they don't say anything. Nothing happens from it. Well, and I'm glad we're talking about it because yeah. it's like, you know, I mean, the, it's it's such a brave, like, Rachel's a great character. Yeah. And, um, and she's very brave, you know, obviously with, with protecting her son, you know, from everything. But also, like following her passions. Yeah. You know, look, it's overpowering in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not going to come to anything. You know, like they're not going to have a, a spend their life together. But she risks it all for this one moment of passion. Right. You yeah. know, and knowing that someone could see her, but she's just going to go for it. You know, and yeah. um, it hopefully it doesn't ruin her life. I don't think it does. But but you know, no, I don't think so either. And in that deleted scene with uh, Patty Lapone, she, Patty is so like vocal. And I know forthright with everything. Like, and Rachel says she admires that. Like, we can't do that in our yes. community. Yes, you're right. Like, it's a great scene, which would really work well with the rest of this theme of her being strong and following her passions a little bit. You know, within their gu- some guidelines of right the community, but she does become stronger. Even yes. Um. Yeah, she was strong but to begin with, she and she gets even stronger. Even stronger, man. Right. But, yeah, dude, the movie's awesome. And, and the last thing you see is him driving away, and Daniel is walking up the road yep. towards the house, and they kind of, like, wave at each other and right. stuff, and that's it. I, I love I love, I love seeing Daniel walking. He, he's walking down the street with his hands in his pockets. That That is, like, that is an Amish man thing to do. Uh-huh. Um, and he gives that great wave. Like, it's just an offhand wave, you know, mm-hmm. because he knows that, like, He's not friends with Book. Right. Uh, but he's still acknowledging that another person is there. And it's just a nice gesture. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. Credits. Yeah. Um, and the, the score swells. Yes. And, and we're out. And you are feeling good. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there is one scene we didn't touch on. It's when Samuel is playing with a gun. Yes. And he gets scolded by Harrison Ford. I'm glad you brought this up. Yeah, yes. I, I, I wanted to talk on it earlier, but it would, we just jumped around yeah missed it but um he's giving him like gun safety tips and like trying to be his dad kind of yeah it's a i know big scene where he's being the dad right 
what he's doing is letting him touch the gun and stuff with it unloaded. Yeah. And Rachel walks in and is not happy with that at all. And I love that, that they let her be not happy, you know, cause she, and she just full on tells him, you know, like John book, while you're in this house, I insist you, you respect our ways. Yeah. Um, and he says, and he acknowledged to his credit. He's like, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Take the gun. Immediately. You know? He gives her the gun right. and the bullets. Yep. And says, hide it where you won't find it. Right. And he like like Samuel ha- was going through like the the credenza or like the the little drawer there, and he he like was snooping yeah. in the room, yeah. and he found the gun, and it was loaded at the time, and you just hear Harrison Ford go, "Hey," you know, yeah, and I'm like, startles oh. him exactly, and he and he, <laughs> yeah, um, and he turns around, and goes, "Give me that right now," and he, and he tells him, he goes, "Sit down, Samuel," and I love his speech where he says, "Listen, I don't mean to holler at you, but you know this is very very dangerous, yeah. and you know, uh, I'm gonna take the bullets out now. You can hold it." It's it's a great like father figure moment, you know. It is, and and there's another gun incident where Eli is talking to Samuel about it. His grandfather, like, hey, these things are designed to kill people. We don't believe in that. That is not for us to decide to take someone's life. And Samuel doesn't really get it, I guess. Right, he's just a little kid. He's a little kid, you know. How old is he? Like seven, yep. maybe. Samuel, he says, like, well, would you kill someone? He's like, I'd only kill a bad person. Right. And his, you can tell his grandfather's just like, man, I can't, that sucks. Yes. That he's saying this. Yes. And he's like, well, how do you know who's bad? Can you look into their heart? Are you able to determine that? Man, it is is a great scene. So powerful. Yeah. I know. I mean, and, and the it's... kid doesn't fully understand it. No. But he's right. Uh, this is another scene of... It wasn't about gun violence, but this exact scene played out for me with my grandpa, you know, like where I was being taught a lesson. I was sitting in the kitchen with just him and he was very sternly talking to me with his long beard Uh um, and right up in my face going, you know, you know, wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith Mm -hmm. the Lord, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, like I looked at him, uh, looking up at him <laughs> with, with fear and, and, you know, also fear and love because I knew that he was like doing this out of love, but you know, he was also teaching me a lesson and trying to make sure that I understood how the world worked. Mm-hmm. And, um, this was a, I'm so glad you brought this up because yeah, this is a very special scene to me as well. Yeah. Um, and Jan Rubis, of course, I can't say enough about his performance. I mean, geez, man, what a great actor he was. Yeah. And, uh. I, I didn't see him in a lot of stuff, obviously, but, you know, like, I he was born to play Eli Lapp. Yeah, I think he's uh, another unknown, just from, like, Canada, he was... Yes, he was an opera singer. An opera, yes. Yeah. So you got an opera singer and a ballet dancer. Just fine arts movie. people that, that like, I know, yeah, they, they just insert them in and, and they can play Amish people, like, expertly. Perfect, Pretty great. Dude. Yes. Perfect. Um, anything else? A couple things. Uh, so... One of the other uh, like minor criticisms that they that they get wrong that are understandable. Um, Rachel refers to the apothecary that comes in to help book with uh, when he's first convalescing. Mm-hmm. Um, she calls him Stoltzfus. She says, "You know, Stoltzfus was here and, mm-hmm. and you know like uh, made you that tea." In reality, no one is referred to in this way um, in the Amish culture. You wouldn't say some. You wouldn't refer to somebody by their last name because we all have okay. the same last names. Right. Yeah. Um, if you, you would use a person's first name with some other identifier preceding it, um, either your father's or your husband's first name or some other like honorific that tells everyone who you are. Um, yeah. If we were identifying this guy by what he does, he'd probably be called like, you know, Poultice Andy or something like that. It's a weird thing. Like my, my name is uh, Louis Moniz David's Atlee's David's David. Okay. Because um, they couldn't just say 
David's David because there's yeah. t- so many of those. They right. couldn't say Atley's David because there's a lot of Atley's there. So they have to go back like two, three generations. And now I have this 12 wow. syllable name. Yeah. You know, um, they have to like refer to my great, great grandpa's <laughs> boss in order to like identify who I am. Yeah. Um, and the credits list some guy, the, the guy named Stoltzfus, um, and also someone named Yoder. Uh, both of these names are very common Mennonite Amish surnames, um, and just like mine, Miller. Uh, Miller is generally the most common Amish name, and Yoder's pretty close behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my only criticism here is that the credits list both people as just their name, um, but in reality, if you went to a horse sale in my hometown and shouted Yoder, you wouldn't get anywhere. Um, because like the whole auction house <laughs> would turn around. Like, exactly, yes. <laughs> um, and, uh, and also, like, uh, you, you brought up Rachel, like taking her covering off, you know, to go meet book. Um, obviously like that's a big deal, but if in reality, if a woman is at home just doing chores, like around the house, she would be wearing a scarf rather than a covering because like you wear coverings when you go into town or when you go to church or, you know, when you go to someone's house. Um, but when you're just around the house or in the barn, you usually just wear a scarf on your head. A woman's head is always covered, but it's usually by a scarf when it's not formal. The other thing I wanted to mention, um, it's, uh, there's been a lot of reports recently about a sadly real fact about Amish life and that's sexual abuse. Yeah. Um, and the worst part is that the women this happens to often have nowhere to turn unless they courageously leave the church. And this is because Amish bishops, as we said earlier, and their fellow ministers have absolute power in the community. Um, and when these incidents mm-hmm. are reported, bishops don't often report the abuser to the authorities. They instead implore the woman who was abused to forgive the abuser. And they want to handle it in-house. Yep. Um, despite my roots in the culture and what I come from, I fully acknowledge that both the Amish and Mennonite churches are, in many ways, a cult. And abusers flourish in cults because the people in charge of cults don't acknowledge the laws of the countries they inhabit. It's totally indefensible, and I'm glad that the news is getting out now. Yeah. And if you want to hear or read more about these issues, I'd recommend reading Mary Byler's blog, The Misfit Amish, or listening to Jasper Hoffman's The Plain People's Podcast. Those are really good resources to know about these issues. Cool. Well, anything else then? Uh, no, I think I've uh, got soapboxed enough. Yep. And <laughs> you know what? We had a good time doing it, too. Thank, yes. I mean, yes. I hope everyone else enjoyed it. This has been great. Right. Um, would you recommend the movie? Absolutely. Uh, it, it's This is a movie that everyone should see. It's it's a must, and it is one of the best movies of the 1980s. Yeah, I agree. 100% recommend. All right, so that wraps things up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts. Rate it, review it, most of all, share it. That gets more dudes listening to the dudes. And you can go to dudesonmovies.com and find anything you need right there. Yeah, and we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Look for Dudes on Movies. And our email address is dudesonmovies at gmail.com. And Dave, we have a question of the week. What is the question of the week? Uh, what are the movies that best represent your roots or what you come from? Nice. Call into the voicemail 628-400-DUDE, 628-400-3833. And stay tuned next week when we do 1997's Nil by Mouth, directed by Gary Oldman and starring Ray Winstone and Kathy Burke. So until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time. 